marketing, 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 admissions, and then transition into administrator and training. Today's podcast was really fun talking to Greg, the executive director, and Jamie Lynn, the woman that he hired to help out as they opened up a new care center at Wesley. And we go through their story, their boutique facility, their challenges with census with only having 36 beds. And what are the keys to hiring a new marketing manager as Jamie Lynn transitions into a new role? I hope you enjoy this chat with these two as much as I did. This episode was brought to you by Experience.Care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today. Hello, and welcome back to LTC Heroes. Today, I have a very special pair of professionals from our industry to join me to talk about marketing, admissions, sales. Greg Burge, the executive director of Wesley, and Jamie Lynn Bloodworth, they work in a boutique-style LTC facility. And I want to get to understand their approach to marketing, their knowledge of the industry, and walk me through how they would train me if I were to join their facility in their unique differentiators and their unique success, even in these rough last 12 months. Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks so much, Peter. Jamie Lynn, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. So, Greg, to to get the ball rolling, why don't you explain to me a little bit about Wesley and your guys' organization, the complexities, customer-facing, resident-facing, and tell me how long you've been there and what the problems specifically related to marketing and sales looked like when you joined the organization about four years ago. Sure. Well, Peter, Wesley has been around for 75 years. It was originally started. It is a not-for-profit. It is associated with the Methodist Church. And the first location was in Des Moines, Washington, just outside of Seattle. And that campus grew until probably about 15 years ago. The second campus that was brought on was Wesley Lee Hill, which is where Jamie Lynn and I were. That campus serves independent living services, has independent living services, assisted living, which is just memory care, and then independent living services with independent living with catered living. So that's more like scheduled care for someone, scheduled assistance for them. About five years ago, they felt as if they needed a care center here on campus, and it was wanted and needed by the, by the residents that were here, and we felt it was a good plan for them. And so five years ago, we built the, uh, Wesley built the care center here. The care center is only 36 beds. It's really set up to support and help the campus to ensure that residents have a place to go and they don't have to go off of campus to get short-term rehab that they may need. And of course, in the event that they would need more long-term care services, much higher level of care that they could receive that service here on campus. Wesley Lee Hill is not a CCRC program. It doesn't, we don't have that. We're basically an entrance fee and really sort of month to month in our independent living and assisted living areas. When I came on about four years ago, the care center had just been certified and we were building our census. And when I got here, I think we had four residents maybe on in the building. So Jamie Lynn joined us about four, about four months or so, about three or four months after that, and um, has really been a, a huge a huge key to our success here. 
what were the unique challenges for you to start with a census of four? And what is that about 10, 10% more or less, and then grow? And how long did it take for you to grow, get the word out also, you know, your in-house residents? And, and what did that strategy look like? Well, of course, for our in-house residents here, the, everyone knew, of course, this was being built. There was a lot of buzz about this building being, about the care center being built. There is, uh, we were the first new building, skilled nursing facility in the area in several years. So there was a lot of uh, excitement about this, about the care center being built. But of course, everyone associated us with, well, you can't go there unless you live at Wesley. There was all kinds of those those type of stigmatism that you had to go around. And, you know, everybody was just like, oh, no, we can't, we can't go there because it's, that's Wesley. And that's, you can only go in there if you're, you belong or, or have lived in Wesley before. So there was a, a little bit of a barrier to that. So. And how did, how did you overcome that? Cause that makes sense that that would be the room around town. And how did you grow your brand beyond your, your in, internal community? How did we get around it? Jamie Lynn. That's how we got around that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great transition. How did you find Jamie Lynn? And did you know what you were looking for, or were you just did you hit a a home run and get lucky and find someone who was able to create the path for you? It was a it was pure luck, and it was a home run lucky shot, in my opinion. So that's that's exactly what happened. So. And, uh, and Jamie Lynn is, has been around the industry and she can tell more about her, her own experience, but she came in and just hit the ground running. She knew exactly, it felt as though she knew exactly what she needed to do. And just, you know, it was, it's allowing a marketer to do their job and support them and get behind them and basically clear the path so that they can do the job that they need to do. You seem to have a great working relationship with Jamie Lynn. Did you all know each other beforehand? Do you remember what the hiring process was like? How much training did you have to do? And how much did she have to learn on the run? I know those are lots of questions, but I'll let you take it from there. No, it was it was the interview process and everything was very quick. It was almost as if, yes, absolutely. This is the person we need. And then bringing her on board. And then, like I said, allowing her to kind of create what needed to be created. And yes, we have stumbled. We've, we've fall in many different ways, but we have learned from all of our mistakes or the mistakes that we've made that we were able to see, I guess. And we've just moved forward. And Jamie Lynn is, is, you know, such, there's so much talent that comes from Jamie Lynn's ability to create those relationships. It's, it is harder. And I know this will sound crazy, but it is harder to market a small facility and keep a small facility full than it is a large facility. Can you elaborate? Of course, I'll ask Jamie Lynn the same question, but I'm interested from the executive director's position, from upper management, what are the variables you're looking at and how did you realize that it is harder for her? For one, it is it is quick changes. So when you're only dealing with 36 beds, if you have two discharges, that's a big percentage of that you're losing one day. If you have three discharges, you know, now you're at 10%. So it's, you have to really manage that piece of it. So it's hard to, to keep it full because one and two discharges and three discharges can, can change a lot of what you're doing. You also have to worry about your staffing and how you staff that. You don't staff in a small building the way that you do with staff in, of course, a 60 year plus facility. And so it's very different. 
I call it, it is, it is like working with, um, it's like driving a, a, a sports car. A sports car moves very quickly and it can turn, you know, you change the, you, you use the, the steering wheel and you, you, you just move it just a little bit and the car turns and it moves. And that's how a small, a small building works. You take a big building that's 100 plus beds, it's kind of like a big Cadillac. You know, it, there's a lot of moves that can happen before it starts changing its direction. So small buildings are tough to operate sometimes, but yet at the same time, it is very much a, a more cohesive family-oriented, family style of operations, you think, because you have a lot fewer, a lot fewer employees and everyone has to jump in and do a lot more things than just what they normally would do. What are the advantages of that size and also your your niche in the market amongst other facilities and your 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 location, geographic location, US? So we're outside of Seattle. So we do get the benefit of being able to market to some of the Seattle hospitals. We have some of our local hospitals that are closer, close by. So we have a wide variety of hospitals to market to. However, even within a small area, you still have your niche hospitals that you really want to go after and you really want to work with the best. So creating those relationships with those that are your, your solid hospitals that are constantly sending you referrals, those are the ones you want to work with. And starting or I guess building the new care center, does that mean that you had to create new relationships or did your existing aspects of the organization mean that you already had important relationships with those hospitals? No, we didn't have relationships with the hospitals because the the campus was independent living and assisted living, basically. So we really didn't have those relationships. So it was really starting from the very beginning and Jamie Lynn having to go out and create those relationships. People knew Wesley and they knew Lee Hill, which is the name of the, the campus, this campus. And some of them knew Lee Hill, but not everyone did. We are not in a location like on a main thoroughfare where people would go by it every single day. We're up in a residential neighborhood. So unless you're you're coming up here, you don't know the building is even here. So there's people in Auburn, which is the the, the town we're located, that don't even know about Lee Hill. And we've been here 15 years. Greg, this isn't your first job in long-term care. And I'm certain that you're friends with uh, other peers. How do you see the marketing situation changing and and how has it been for you in this specific role as executive director based upon your, your previous experience of seeing how marketing is going and the industry? You know, we are seeing, uh, and I think everyone would agree to this, we're seeing sicker patients come into the care center. We're seeing much more complex than in the past. We are much more, skilled nursing is becoming much more of a subacute rehab than it was back 10 years ago when it was mainly skilled nursing. So I think because of the changes with insurance, with Medicare, the more the push to get them in, get them rehabbed and get them back out, that push is very much there. And so now a lot more pressure is put on to do quicker stays, quicker turnarounds. Jamie Lynn, I'd like to put you on the hot seat now because it sounds like you had a very big challenge from day one. I'm guessing you didn't have even a manual. I don't, did you have experience working in this with a new care center with four out of 36 beds filled? Do you remember what day one was like? 
Yeah, I do. I, I Yes, I did have quite a bit of experience. I worked for two skilled nursing facilities in California for about eight years prior to me coming up here to Seattle. So I, I did, I definitely knew what I was doing. I was director of marketing and admissions for both of those facilities in California for a long time. So yeah, I, I knew, I knew what to do right off the bat. Were there any unique challenges that you didn't imagine? Unique challenges? No, you know, that the, one of the benefits to this building is that it's aesthetically pleasing. So it's a nice building. It's, it has a warm feeling when you walk in. It doesn't have some of the aesthetic challenges that other skilled nursing facilities that I've worked in have. But yeah, a low census, a census of, you know, for, you know, of just a couple is definitely challenging, I guess, because I wanted to know why it was there because they had already been open, what, about a year, I think, before I got here. And so how come they were at, at still at four or five was what I needed to find out. Was it referrals not getting answered? Was it, you know, reputation, you know, what was going on? So I had to dig into that and figure that out first. And what was the reason that you, that you determined or reasons? So the biggest, you know, I, my first day here, you know, I hit the ground running my first day, probably, I think I had an admission or two the first day, if not the first day, definitely the second day. And I, I, I realized that there were referral systems that the hospital used that we weren't signed up on. There was a lot of, uh, there was a huge lack of knowledge from the hospitals that we were even accepting admissions. And like Greg had said that we were accepting admissions from outside of our community. That was a huge misconception that I had to overcome, but quickly. But the most important thing that I did the first week I was here was make sure that this care center had logins for every single referral portal that the, all the hospital, all of the, the area hospitals used. And, and we didn't, we were missing two or three of them. And now it seems like the quick fixes you got done in week one, if not week two, did your census jump really quickly up to 20 and 25? Yeah, actually, I think it was that we were at 20, You know, you don't want to go too quickly too soon because that's hard on the staff and then people don't have, you know, the patient slash resident experience isn't good. So, so you go slowly, but, but, you know, you want to have a steady flow of admissions in. So we probably went from, you know, four or five up to 20, I'd say over a three week period. And then we're full, I'd say within the first month um, and then held held steady. We, we typically are full most of the time. What size of facilities did you manage for admissions and and marketing before? One of my buildings was 89 beds and the other one was 99. Is there anything that you were not completely prepared for with a smaller facility as compared to the larger, those that were three times today's size? Yes. I was under a, a misconception that a, it would be easier to market and fill a smaller building and easier to manage. And that is 100% not the case. As Greg said, it's actually harder. It's been more challenging. Can you give me some examples of where mm-hmm. concrete, like 
the language that you've heard from someone when when you went out and you marketed or something related to you know the staffing size or the fact that the organization existed long before you put in a care center? Yeah, I mean, Wesley, everybody always had nice things to say about Wesley. The name has a good re- reputation in the area. There were questions about, you know, our size, having beds available. Are you guys ever going to have beds available? Do you only, are you only, t- we heard that you're only take, this is only for Wesley residents. So those kinds of conversations and rumors were definitely out there when I got here. What's the biggest challenge now? Because I understand you guys, your census is over 80, over 90% right now. It's it's always over 90%. Yeah even in the, the the last year of COVID. So how do you now balance being able to go out and do marketing, but at the same time, you don't have beds for your hospitals? So it's tricky. It takes up a big chunk of my day. I call it damage, doing damage control. I spend, I spend quite a bit of time explaining, you know, why I might not have a bed today. I, I don't ever say, I don't like to say we, we have no beds or, or I'm, I don't like to ever say I'm full. It's more of a just, you know, manipulating what I'm saying so that it doesn't sound because saying I'm full is just a closed door. If you say I don't have a bed today, but I have one, you know, on Monday or Tuesday, that's a plan that the hospital case managers can work with. As long as you have a plan and something scheduled, then they can work with that. But just saying, you know, oh, I'm at 36 today and I'm full, they will automatically go to the next facility. So it's just about working with them and kind of manipulating the schedule and the bed availability so that we don't lose the admissions. I think before I dive into how you built those relationships, I'd like to ask you, if you were training me today, and I can't even go into a facility yet to build relationships, right? I can't, I can't go, I can't even go into a hospital yet because of COVID. What what would you tell me to start to do in order to keep our census high? Well, what I've done, I mean, I can only speak from you know, this last year dealing with this the pandemic is lots and lots of customer service. You have to be willing to answer your phone all the time, even on the weekends. The hospitals don't close on the weekends, so neither do I. And just constant, con- you know, a contact over the phone. There's a fine line between, you know, just to be transparent, there's a fine line between between annoying hospital discharge planners and being helpful to them. So you need to find a way to be helpful instead of annoying calling, asking for referrals, asking if they have anybody for you. I don't think I've ever asked that question in my entire career. I just find a way to be helpful to them. And then at the end of the day, they appreciate that and they'll remember that and they will call you the next time that they need help with a a short-term rehab um, placement. Can you give me a few examples of how I could be helpful once again, remembering that I can't probably go in and meet them. It's going to be hard to talk a discharge worker at a hospital, say, come meet me outside your hospital at six feet of distance still. How would you teach me? What would be the tips? How can I be helpful? How can I be, how can I assist them? And will they answer my phone? They probably get hundreds of emails. They don't want to talk to some new guy. 
the way that a marketing or admissions person in skilled nursing can be most helpful to a hospital discharge planner is to answer the referral quickly and answer it honestly, which means that you have to know how to read a referral. If you don't know how to read a referral, I'm not clinical, but I have enough uh, a base knowledge to be able to give an honest yes or no. If you have to wait on a director of nursing or or another nurse to look over a referral, that's not being helpful to the hospital because they need they're looking for a quick response so that they can go into their patient and give them their options. And then also answering your phone and returning phone calls almost immediately. They have to be an absolute priority. I've walked out of meetings and that's an understanding that I have pretty much any meeting I'm in is that if my phone rings and it's a hospital, I usually excuse myself from the meeting. Another important way to be helpful is to make sure that they know what your bed availability is. If you have beds available, if I have beds available, I call who I need to call and I let them know what my bed availability is. And then that's also an opportunity to, when you have them on the phone to let them know is to, is to gently ask, you know, you know, what do you guys have going on this week? Do you have anybody that wants to come? You can kind of insert a little bit of marketing respectively um, at that time. I've heard a lot of podcasts, read blogs about the importance of health, of long-term care facilities, figuring out their differentiators and being able to explain that they are more than just a bed. As you know, a very successful admissions and marketing administrator, I, I can tell you, you've figured that out. How do you determine a differentiator? And then how do you explain that to the different partners that you have in the community? And then also your end user, your resident. I'm fortunate to work for Wesley because our skilled nursing facility is a five-star facility and it has been since our first survey. However, I have worked in buildings that were not five-star facilities and differentiating, it it really depends, you know, most people want to know what your star rating is. So buildings that are under five stars, you really would have to kind of talk about, you know, your outcomes, focus on specific outcomes and quality measures. And if you have private rooms, if you have anything, you know, that you can focus on as far as how the facility looks, your therapy team. But this day and age for buildings that are under five stars, it is, that is difficult. Can you, can you give me an example of how you've done that in a previous job with something that wasn't quite as easy as a five-star facility? So we had to focus on, you know, certain activities, you know, outing programs like that. We had turned several shared rooms into private rooms. We did do some updates. And then there were times that my relationships with the, my close relationships with the discharge planners, they would send, you know, send me referrals and let me come in and talk to the patient at the bedside and explain you know, cause you can, you can always ask a question too. You guys, I see that you're four stars, what, you know, and you've got a deficiency here, what happens? So it's just explaining to people too helps. If, if you are a building with less than four stars, why, and what's the explanation and just be honest about it. The hospitals understand that too. I understand that you are ready to take your next step professionally. You're going to move on. Tell me what your next challenge is. And how soon you'll be starting that? 
So I am just finishing up in the next two months, my bachelor's in healthcare administration, and then I will be doing the administrator and training program with Greg and then um, moving on uh, out of marketing after that. And why did you make that decision? I made that decision because I I feel like my marketing career, you know, has kind of, I'm kind of at capacity with that. I love the training and the teaching part, but I'm just looking, I'm just looking for a different, a new challenge. It's just time for me to, to move, to move on. Great. Well, congratulations on the next move. I'm, so you'll be replacing yourself. And I'm sure Greg has told you to, that the, the bar is set high. And one of your KPIs is to find someone as great as you. One, yeah. <laughs> how, how are you going to find that person? What does the recruiting look like? What does the job application look like? What's the description what are the tangibles, non-tangibles? Can you walk me through that? Because you're obviously already looking, right? Even though it might be six months away or a year away. We're thinking about it. Yeah. I think honestly, I'm looking more at at that person's personality and their drive and ambition more than experience. I can train anybody, but if but they need to have a certain level of ambition and drive and work ethic you know, and informally, I call it, you know, they need to be able to hustle and, and also have a love for the job. So, you know, the person that we have in mind now, she's never done this job before, but she'll work with me for, you know, several months for quite a while. And I will, you know, kind of mentor her and show her how to do it. I will be kind of by her side, but she doesn't have any experience in skilled nursing. What's the first tangible skill that you will try to teach her after the hustle and after the ambition? The first tangible skill will be referrals, answering how to look at referrals, how to, how to skim them quickly, because I look daily, I, I look at anywhere from 30 to 70 referrals a day. And if you are reading through every, every single one, that is going to be more than a full-time job in itself. So it'll be the, the I guess the, the, the strategy to get through that many referrals in a day, because you do have to answer every single one of them. Yes or no. Can you walk me through one that's fresh in your mind that you've looked at in the last 72 hours that mm-hmm. is going to be a challenge for her to understand or, or he to understand in their first month and, and how you're able to read and how you're going to teach that to her? Yeah. So, so somebody that, you know, has, you can, I call it checking boxes. You can check the insurance box. Okay. We take that insurance. It's, you know, it's, it's a considered a desirable payer source. Um, They live locally. We can check that box, but they are, they might look really bad on paper. So they might have some cognitive issues they might have some complex wound care. And so for her right now, this person right now, that would, she'd probably look at that and say no. However, that person has been in the hospital for two weeks. And, you know, a week ago, they started clearing cognitively. All kinds of things can happen in the hospital, delirium, confusion, just a, a, a move like that for any older person is hard. And then you throw in a surgery, um, they can look really, really difficult on paper. Um, and a lot of facilities, um, 
did say no and continued to say no. But you have to look past that and you have to look at nursing notes and see how they're doing now. And this gentleman has almost completely cleared. I confirmed his discharge plan. And now it, it's he's admitting today, actually. So you just have to really kind of follow up and look, sometimes look beyond the red flags and that kind of thing. Learning how to do that um, does take time. What are what are the 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 intangibles that this person might not have yet? Um, you know, obviously, before they even you even talk to them, you know, they have the hustle, they have the ambition. What are the other softer skills, whether it be uh, people skills, phone skills, email skills that you are going to have to train her up on? Yeah, all of those. Um, I I always call it a smile. Over you need to be able to smile over the phone. You know, you're. My customers are not only the residents here, but they're also the hospital case managers. Um, And you have to be able to provide an excellent level of customer service 100% of the time. You really can't have a bad day and, and, you know, let it be known over the phone or when you're visiting in the hospital. And you just have to be ready to be helpful to them all the time. And yes, you need to, I mean, I carry my phone, I don't want to say 24-7, but I would say, you know, at least 12 hours a day, I'm available. I'm not in my office 12 hours a day, but I'm available 12 hours a day and you need to be able to be available on the weekends. There's a lot of admission opportunity on the weekends and a lot of missed opportunity for admissions directors that don't work on the weekends, that don't take admits on the weekends. And yeah, email skills. I mean, you need to have a basic, you need to have, I don't want to say you need to have a formal education, but you need to be able to send, you know, a grammatically correct email. You need to be well-spoken. You need to have a basic knowledge of medical terminology, things like that. I, I know when I was a social worker, I didn't get trained this way, but the the providers that I depended upon in my network, there were some some obvious personality, I guess personality is not the right word. There was there were some traits about the provider's personality that if I were able to pick up on, I was able to better to relate with them. And that mm-hmm. made my chances of getting what I needed for my patient a lot better. Yeah. It's the same in your case. And if and if it is. How do you teach someone that? You know, it's not as simple as just knowing the name of my son or knowing what my favorite restaurant is, right? You you also need to make me feel that you connect with me, that you know me, and that motivates me to help you, which helps your resident. Right. So you need to, yeah. So you need to be a little bit of a chameleon. You need to be able, you know, I, you know, to just get down to like the nitty gritty you know, you need to present well, you need to present professionally, conservatively. And so that you can, you can sort of be able to relate with a lot of different personalities in the hospital, not only the residents or the patients, but the discharge planners and the supervisors. So yeah, those, all those things are important and being able to, you know, things like remembering birthdays and I don't find that those things are as valuable as that discharge planning, knowing you and trusting you and liking you because you're going to work with people that you like and that you trust. And if you have, uh, I didn't know anybody when I moved up here. I didn't, I'd never been into a hospital up here in my life. 
And I wasn't worried about that at all because I know I can conform and be, you, you know, just kind of be honest. And as long as you're providing a really high level of customer service and, and some transparency too, then they're going to trust you. I think kind of the last topic that I would like to move into would be what are the biggest challenges in marketing today? They might not be at your your organization. It seems like you guys are doing extremely well. You have a great niche. You guys are a great team, the two of you, and I'm sure there's others next to you and, and below you that make it so successful. But what are the current challenges that you see right now, Jamie Lynn, with your peers in the industry and how you would approach it, even though if you see some people are, 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 are not taking the right angle, maybe is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I would say for the group of, of professionals that we're marketing to, I've seen a lot of aggressive marketing, which is not my style. I have a very light touch, slow and steady style of marketing. It's, it works now. It's always worked for me people that are are super aggressive and going into places where they shouldn't or they've been even asked not to and doing it anyway that type of marketing does not work in this industry specifically in skilled nursing it might with one or two places or case managers but as a whole you know you can even be asked to not come back to a hospital it's just a it's just a poor approach there are some sales industries that that is appropriate, but this is not one of them. There are more respectful, light touch ways that that you can do it that will that will carry you for years with these these discharge planners. Jamie Lynn, I know Greg's title does not include marketing, but what what have you learned from him as the two of you have grown together over the last four years at Wesley and? What have you learned from him that has helped you as a marketer and also now that you're moving into your next role and doing administrator and training? Well, I mean, as a marketer, Greg's kind of just, I, I have a lot of autonomy here. He lets me do what I know how to do. As far as learning about marketing specifically, <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of just do my own thing and it works. But I think, I think instead of learning from him, as far as marketing goes, being supported by him. He trusts me. And like I said, I, I have autonomy. There's no micromanaging going on. There's no pressure to go sit in hospitals and bother discharge planners. And so that relieves some pressure, which relaxes me, which makes it easier and more enjoyable to do my job, which, which turns into success. You come off as extremely confident and also self-aware. Is there anything that you're nervous about with your new training as administrator? Oh, as administrator? Yeah, there, I have a lot of things I'm nervous about. <laughs> For example? I, I have, I've managed people before, but it's been a while. You know, skilled nursing is, is heavily regulated, especially in the state of Washington. There's a lot of pressure to do really well in skilled nursing as far as the state goes. So, but yeah, working here with Greg, I'm also able to, to watch and learn him. There's a lot of opportunities for that. And so, you know, yeah, if, I guess if I'm nervous, it's probably I'm most nervous about the state coming in, which is probably pretty common. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. 
Greg and Jamie Lynn, we've kind of gone through the gamut of marketing questions and what you guys are doing at Wesley. Is there any topic that we haven't covered that you think would be a benefit for our industry? I think I think there is one topic that is also a key part of why the care center here at Wesley has done so well. And it's something that is very hard for most people to swallow operators, executive directors, administrators, owners, companies to think about, but you cannot have a mentality of a head in the bed. That will kill you worse than anything. You have to be able to take and know that you take the right patient at the right time and knowing it's better to leave the bed empty than it is to fill it with just anyone that comes along. That is going to help your reputation if you do it the right way and you take the right people and you can have good outcomes. It's going to go further for you than just keeping the bed, trying to keep a bed filled because your reputation is nearly everything that's just as important as the care you're delivering. The reputation will, will, will carry you and it will also sink you. So that's the other piece that that Jamie Lynn knows that that my staff know is that if it's not the right if it's not the right referral we're not going to take it it doesn't matter if it's got a good payer source it's not the right referral for us and we just can't do it we cannot jeopardize our reputation and the work that we have put into making this facility what it is today that point is fantastic and i'm i'm guessing that this is a top down decision that you have to have you know, visionary ownership who are willing and understand that this is critical for the long-term reputation and also care of your patients. So it sounds like you guys work in a really unique scenario with, where where everyone gets that from top to bottom. They do, they do, and they know that it's uh, and that that's with you know everything we have here on campus too. It's not just about filling it with whoever wants to buy it. It's filling it with the right with the right person and the right the right residents so we can have a good outcome. We want to make sure that we can meet their needs. It doesn't make any sense to bring someone in that we can't meet your needs for and we're just trying to fill a bed. Just doesn't make sense. Well, Greg, I'm I'm sure that you are sad to lose Jamie Lynn in marketing, but you're probably excited to bring her into the administrator and training. What skill set are you most excited about that you think that'll make her a great administrator? I think that I'm the most excited about is is showing her how great it is to be to be able to help once someone is already in the door and they're here and you can help and support them both as as the resident, the family, and the employee. Jamie Lynn gets, of course, contact with the resident. She gets contact with the family, but also helping the employee because the two most important people in our industry is is the resident and the employee. Those are the two most important because you can't have one without the other. And it's really teaching her that and and letting her see that and and blossom into a great leader and to a great administrator. She will do a phenomenal job. I'm certain the two of you together are are gonna create a great opportunity for her to grow. She's gonna be a great administrator. Thank you guys for sharing your experience at Wesley and walking me through the marketing process. If a listener wants to reach out to you because your story inspires them, where can they find you? Sure. They can find us at, go on the website at wesleychoice.org and you will see our campuses. Our campus is Wesley Lee Hill. We have a Wesley Des Moines campus. We have Wesley Bradley Park. 
And our newest campus that's about to open is Wesley to Holly. So they could find us, look us up there. Thank you so much, Greg, for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Jamie Lynn. Thank you. You're welcome. Visit ltcheroes.com to join our Facebook group for nurses and our exclusive LinkedIn group for LTC owners. Visit ltcheroes.com for your exclusive access today. This episode was brought to you by Experience.Care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today.